that is i will say that is a like a from a very nerdy vintage (laughs) i feel like you brought i feel like you brought out a very like deeply (laughs) delicious vintage of nerdiness this is gonna be exciting Welcome to episode two of Meaningful Miscellanea. I'm your host, Jacob Tilton. And I am Richie Sessions. And here we are for episode two. This is our uh, sophomore episode, Richie. We can't, we can't screw it up. We can't. I know. It's a <laughs> lot of pressure. Can't go downhill from here. Our first episode was so unbelievable. <laughs> it was. It was, uh, it was topping the charts for sure. Yeah, my mom loved it. <laughs> That's right. My mom loved it. <laughs> Oh, how are you doing? I'm okay, man. It's kind of it's, it's chilly. It's like in the fifties now uh, nice. in in Franklin, so it, it's starting to feel like fall in October. Yeah, I uh, I'm with you. It's a great feeling. So, what are we going to talk about today? What's our theme today? I wanted to talk about memories, um, and and in particular the role that our senses have with memories because I can smell something and just, it's like a, it's like a time machine. I can smell something and I'm brought back right to a certain place in a certain time. And I've talked to other people and a lot of people have experienced that. So I want to talk about the role of memories. When you smell something, what's a smell that takes you back or a sight or a sound or a song? How are your senses, um, how are they uh, transporting you to good memories and to bad memories? Yeah. Oh, some of those smells that I think about are communion wine. Mm. It's a big one. Also, the smell of opening a new cassette tape and smelling that kind of color printed paper from a cassette tape wow. when you're reading the liner notes of a new, <laughs> new cassette wow. you just bought. I oh, think that's about a that. good one. Do you know what I think about is the smell of a swimming pool mm-hmm. um, and the sm- that chlor- I don't know if it's a chlorine smell or whatever it is, that smell of a swimming pool um, and like a grill and the mixture of a swimming pool and a, like a burgers on the grill are just fill me with ex- like just so much like excitement and just that the combination of those two smells take me right back to like 1985 and I'm like at a pool party and I'm drinking a new grape uh, so, like one of those new grape sodas <laughs> and I'm eating like uh, Doritos and I'm like Wham is playing on the radio or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm at like Kristen Atterbury's house. You know, everyone's got like a. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 another smell that I think of. Yeah, there are oh. uh, tackle box smells of going fishing oh, with, the with worms. my grandfather the, and all that stuff. All the rubber worms. It's kind of an oily smell in it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like I, I can smell that worm smell, that oily ru- plastic worm smell, and think of my grandfather. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, smells. They, yeah, one, one um, I'm reading here on Neuroscience News. Which you uh, do every morning. Which I do. I always check out what's going on with <laughs> neuroscience. Just the latest. You know how I am. And there's actually a Harvard uh, professor, uh, Professor Venkatesh Murthy. Um, listen to what he says. He's a neuroscientist. He says the olfactory, which is that part of your brain uh, that deals with smell, the olfactory signals very quickly to the limbic system. And so one of the things they're saying is when you, when you, there's some like quick process that when you smell something, it triggers your memory like instantly. That's why we have these like memories associated with smells. Mm -hmm. I can even, but you know, as much as I can remember like exciting things, like the smell of fried chicken, I'm back at my grandmother's house or the smell of honeysuckle. I'm like in it's May and I'm about to get out of school, which was always like, felt like, you know, I'm being delivered from Hades, uh, (laughs) getting out of school always felt like, uh, just like the end, the end of time and the beginning of the new heavens and new earth. <laughs> yes. And so when I smell honeysuckle, but I can also associate smells that make me anxious. Hmm. Um, like the smell of a uh, pencil shavings. Um, and there's, uh, there's like a lunchroom smell, you know, like that <laughs> lunchroom smell. I can go to any lunchroom. Like, I think this is true of Little Rock, Arkansas, and it's true probably in Sri Lanka. That you give, you go to a lunchroom, it's gonna have that same like plastic sandwich bag, like and a smushed turkey sandwich with like a Capri Sun with like Clorox. That that mixture of those things, I it makes me nervous. I, I start getting anxious because I start thinking about school and fluorescent lights, and I start thinking about like Miss Jet, who was a fourth grade English teacher who who was very severe. She kind of looked like Cru- Cruella Deville. <laughs> to me and I start thinking about pencil shavings and how like I never could keep my crown box and my crowns from being broken and uh, I call them crowns because I'm from Arkansas it's not crowns crayon, crayon. crowns Are you serious yeah the crowns <laughs> in Arkansas it's like hey yo got like you got a you got one of them red crowns you got a red crown I got a red crown I ain't got no red crowns so crayon uh pronounced in Arkansas is crayon. I think we just called them colors Colors. A box of colors, <laughs> but the col- those have a smell. And do you remember when you would melt a box of colors, yes. box of crowns, and you would do something in art? Like what? What were we? Why were we just melting crowns uh, for stuff? Uh, but that smell of there's just so many smells that take me back to school when I just felt so dumb in school and I felt like I just always two steps behind, four steps behind. It, it, that brings a lot of anxiety. Can you think of smells that make you anxious? Well, now that you mentioned the uh, the cafeteria, I think that one probably would. The school oh, smells, um, yeah, just the uh, the tension in the cafeteria room, mostly around middle school years. <laughs> yeah, what was that like? What was middle school uh, lunchroom dynamic for you, Jacob? Oh, man, I, there's some usually trying to figure out where I'm going to sit. Okay, at one point I had a group of guys that I could sit with, and yeah, once I found this group, things were things are okay. You know, they were okay. It was it felt like a little bit of a safe place. But uh, should there not be a, a table available at this one, 
should there not be a, a chair available at this table? It was uh, devastating. It was, yeah, it was panic time. <laughs> what about like perfume? There's like I have positive perfume memories. Like Laura, my wife, when I first met her, she wore this like I don't know if it was like cucumber or something, and it was when I remember I was she was so beautiful to me, and the smell just associated with just she's from Jackson, Mississippi, which was just like deep south, and her accent, and she was so pretty, and I remember, uh, and that smell of that perfume that she wore. Mm-hmm. it was so great but then i can also smell a perfume and think of like a mean old woman yeah do you know what i mean i'm not sure what if it's a you? perfume or if it's more of just a medicated uh lotion <laughs> <laughs> medicated lotion. <laughs> like did your grandma wear any like thing there was a was there a smell that your grandmother had i don't i don't remember it, it smells associated with her would have just been gosh kitchen cooking oh yeah you know what did she make what was her go-to man i don't know if she had necessarily a go-to but it was always uh it was always these uh what was funny to me is we if you went to her house any random lunchtime it was a it was a dinner you know they called it Yo, lunch yeah. was called lunch dinner yeah, yeah. And so it was actually like a meal, like a soup, instead of just a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something. And it, it was a have, sit down. Yeah, it was yeah. a sit down thing that was prepared for. And it just felt odd to me. It was it was so different than any other meal I was used to of just at lunch, you know, just grabbing a sandwich. Um, what I remember too about my grandfather had a had a a garden and he grew these little green onions all the time and we would it was normal to just sit down with whatever meal you had and just also munch on a green onion. Yeah, <laughs> I, so old school. <laughs> little little green onion. And my grandma, she always had banana peppers. They would have like a little tray, like a little tray of like banana peppers. Can you think about that? That's, that's, that is no more. Just mm. a little something. Just yeah. a little something. Just a little relish tray. Yeah. Just to, just to have with your, with your chicken. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Just a little pepper with your chicken. Yeah. Um, my grandmother, I always associate like fried cornbread, and I've never like had it since. She would just make it was like fried cornbread. It was chewy in the middle and was buttery. And I remember me and my cousins I had me and my three brothers, maybe my two brothers, and we had two cousins, and we just basically lived down in Magnolia, Arkansas, which is in the Arklatex, <laughs> down around uh, Shreveport and all that, where my mom's from. And we would in the summertime. I remember she would make she would make the fried cornbread first. And she and the smell of it was buttery and salty, and she would make it first in this in this cast iron skillet, the same place where she would fry the chicken. And we would run in, and it was almost like a little appetizer. And we would run. She had this little galley kitchen. We'd run in the back door, and we we would steal a piece of cornbread. It was real hot. We'd kind of be holding it in our hands, kind of bouncing our hands, and she'd be like, "You get out of here, boys! You get out of here!" <laughs> kind of chasing us out. But but like I look back now, and she knew that she she was doing she wanted us to do that it was almost mm. like a liturgy mm. it was almost like a whole process for us to go on that she was doing that acting like she was mad but she would cook that knowing that we were going to come in there and so just those playing and that smell takes me back to that whole little game we would play mm. uh, and the smell of that and just she just how perfect that whole thing was just little moments 
like that. And that smell takes me back to that moment. Yeah. Sometimes the smell of certain flowers, there's a certain flower or like a bouquet of flowers that is not a pleasant thing to me because it, as a pastor, I've done so many funerals. It reminds me of being at funeral. It reminds me of funeral homes. Mm. And so it's a heavy feeling. There's a, it's almost a cold, wet smell of a rose. Uh, that that takes me back to a really heavy feeling when I'm wearing like my Joseph A. Banks scratchy suit, you know, kind of thing going like, oh, this is, and just that heaviness <clears throat> of grief and mourning um, and the, the perversion of what death is. And so, man, mm. what should be a good smell is actually a really, he- it's, it's not necessarily a bad smell. It's just a real serious smell. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of, What's that? This uh, word for the Eucharist, um, anamnesis, anamnesis oh. to remember. Is that what that means? Or memory okay. associated with memory, um, and the way that Jesus calls us to remember Him at the supper, and all that's involved with that—that that it is a sensory. He assigns us to do this sacrament and to assign physical taste and touch and smell to it, to his memory even, mm. knowing that that's what we, knowing that's how we're made to, to think about those things, that it's a very earthy, cerebral thing yeah. as well. It's pretty, pretty astonishing. Oh, that's beautiful. That's really, really powerful. It's like to make it all like, so much of my Christianity and so much of my faith has been so conceptual, so abstract, theoretical, that to connect the physical with my whole story, there's something sacramental about that cornbread. Mm-hmm. There's something that's almost what you're saying is those smells that are that are connected to like real, substantive, visceral. Uh, experiences both good and bad is how he wants us to uh, engage reality and the whole story man that's mysterious and deep Mm. that that is awesome man then going back to communion just that idea of when you smell that you taste that and that's what's so wrong that's what i hate about those little oyster cracker things we eat (laughs) You know, and I understand logistically why we've got to, you know, yeah. have that. I understand, but I, I want to believe. I mean, surely that that upper room where he broke the bread for the first, you know, the first time instituted the supper. Man, don't you know that those smells for those disciples, especially John, like he never forgot what that wine smelled like. And every mm-hmm. time he smelled that bread, he was like, "That's," and he could smell the whole thing. I mean, think about this. He was leaning his head up against Jesus. And I can't remember who it was. It was Brendan Manning probably that said that he could hear the heartbeat of Jesus, hear the heartbeat of God Hmm. as he was leaning up against him. I love that detail. But think about this. When John in 1 John says, the the one we've seen and heard and touched with our hands, all that, he he could smell Jesus. Hmm. He could... Like, like, like we all have our ascent, right? That's like the, just our humanness. And so when he was against Jesus, like he could actually 
smell the presence of Jesus and everything that went with that. That was just palpable. And yeah. woo. Can I read you? A, um, can I read you a quote from Dallas Willard? Please. This is from the beginning, towards the beginning of the divine conspiracy. Jesus' good news about the kingdom can be an effective guide for our lives only if we share his view of the world in which we live. To his eyes, this is a God-bathed and God-permeated world. It is a world filled with a glorious reality where every component is within the range of God's direct knowledge and control, though he obviously permits some of it for good reasons to be for a while otherwise than he than as he wishes. It is a world that is inconceivably beautiful and good because of God and because God is always in it. It is a world in which God is continually at play and over which he constantly rejoices until our thoughts of God have found every visible thing and event glorious with his presence. The word of Jesus has not yet fully seized us. Mm. That's a that's a really that's a really powerful way of saying what we've been talking about from a sort of theologically. Yeah, just a, a God bathed world is not it's not something that I naturally appreciate at all. Uh-uh. Well, yeah, and just what he said about there's some things that like are not pleasant, but they're still part of it. They, mm-hmm. You know, you need the you need the sweet and the sour yeah. to make the whole picture. There's something about there's if it was just sweet or it was just that it would not it would lack uh, depth. It would lack um, it would just lack reality. And so there's something about even that smell, even the smells that make us anxious, uh, as being part of our story and just to kind of you know, remember those two, I'm learning, I think slowly beginning to learn to go like, oh, that's, that's unpleasant, but really necessary and really part of who I am. Mm. Um, you know, the sm- especially like the smell of a hospital room. Um, there's the smell of, um, you know, that now we we're so familiar with it with like that sanitizing foam that you, that you spray on your, that you put on your hands when you go to a hospital. But that smell, it reminds me of, wow, reminds me of going to the hospital with, when law, my brother-in-law, Mark Steele, was uh, dying of a brain tumor. And I, every time I go back and I think about uh, you know, Ray LaMontagne's album, Trouble, was out then. Mm-hmm. And so we were listening to that and we would play it in his room because he liked to listen to it even when he wasn't you know, alert. But hearing that song, every time I hear that song, I think of that smell. And every time I see that, how that smell, I think of that song. And I think about Mark. And I think about the word trouble, like trouble. Mm-hmm. And I think about, man, this is so much trouble. Trouble's been dogging souls since the day I was born. I was like, oh, man, yeah, and cancer and freaking having to sanitize our hands all the time. And just why has this world got so many germs? And it's just so deep, mm-hmm. but also beautiful and just thinking about the love that also went into that, watching him die, but but the love of his family and my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, and my, my wife, and just watching everyone sort of cave in like dying stars, but also like 
but also just cling to the reality of resurrection that was as real as the smell of that foam. Mm -hmm. And then your brain wants to say, why does it have to be this way? Mm -hmm. But there is a, there's a beauty that's found in the ache of all that, that really you wouldn't, you wouldn't know otherwise. Yeah. Well, you got a song that might touch on some of this, right? You got a song for us? I got a little, I got a little something. (laughs) I got a little something. If you insist, y'all Jacob's yes. making me do it. That's right, that's right. <laughs> You're right. Just happen to have a guitar right there. <laughs> well, I got a guitar right here. August always made me feel a little bit sick. The smell of cut grass. To a day practice. Sometimes I think it wonder was it gonna make it on the October came, cold snap, home game Buzz in the air and everybody felt the same thing Like this whole town was painted with magic and I couldn't fall Out the very first night, 
girls later Singing in a minivan There's a lot more princess and a little less pearl jam But don't let me waste my life Well, I'm excited because uh, we've got a new jingle to debut here today. Uh-oh. Are you ready? Go. This is for Let's a new it. jingle for this, this segment. Here it comes. I'm so excited about this. Let's do it. Here it comes. Stuff like death, leopards, drummers, legs, just a couple of Unreal. That's Unreal. <laughs> so Those harmonies, I mean, that, that's uh, that's straight out of like 1987, right? That's, man, that's what I was going for. In some ways, that may be, I was telling somebody this, that may be the favorite thing I've ever written, come up with, <laughs> ever, ever before. I love it. I because love it, it encapsulates so much of just... Uh, uh, what makes me laugh and what makes me smile at the same time. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's a power ballad. Yes, it's a power it's a... ballad. Musical Easter eggs. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about a Beatles song and then something from a movie. So going back to Sgt. Pepper's, I'm going to talk about the song When I'm 64. I have some clips. I'm not sure if I can play these or not. I'm just going to, I, I won't hazard playing uh, a Beatles song, but... Um, we are pretty high it. profile. That's true, that's true. You just never know. So this song, written, I believe, when Paul was 16, he said this was one of the first songs he ever wrote. Hmm. Um, so it's in, he, he wrote it in the key of C, but and they, I think they recorded it in the key of C, but he wanted his voice to sound 
younger, so they bumped it up. They like sped up the tape and made it actually in the key of D flat. So it's in the key of D flat. But so I'm, I'm going to talk about just the second verse, okay? When it goes, Sunday morning, go for a drive, right? Yeah, that, yeah, that oh, part. Yeah. Okay, the I'm in a Model T. Yeah, yeah, I'm in a right. Model T when I hear that. All right, the instrumentation that's going on here that I believe George Martin uh, arranged. You've got two clarinets and a bass clarinet. Okay, and when he this doesn't happen on the first verse, but on the second verse when he goes when he gets to that part. One of the clarinets is up high going. And that's the only time that shows up. Okay. Sunday morning. Okay. Just one, two, three, four, five. There's five notes. All right. Fast forward to 1989. And now I am going to play this. Okay. Here is a movie, an, an Oscar winning movie in 1989. All right. Let's see if you know what this is. All right, that is this, the main theme from Driving Miss Daisy. Uh, such a good movie. Okay, listen to that line. There's a clarinet playing the same notes Unreal. that are behind Paul singing Go For A Drive. Okay, that is so cool. So I think this that's Hans Zimmer who wrote that. I think he took those just for whatever reason. He took those five notes from that clarinet oh. and made a whole movie theme from it. That is such a wonderful little opal-colored Easter egg that you had for us there. <laughs> and I've I've Googled this. I've tried to see if, like, am I the only one who thinks that's where he got this from? Now, that one's from... The movie's in the key of C, and like we said, the, the song right. was recorded in C but sped up to D-flat, but... <laughs> That's awesome. But I think he did that. I can't find anybody else like saying or him saying he did this. But what I did find when he was younger and working for the first time as a musician, he said he got his first check and he spelled it C-H-E-Q-U-E. It's his first check for, for making music from George Martin. Somehow there, he worked with George Martin. There's the connection. You know, okay, so that is, I, I will say... That is a like a from a very nerdy vintage. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you brought. I feel like you brought out a very like deeply delicious vintage of nerdiness. And it connects. Look. I used to listen to that movie. That's one of the tapes that I had as a child. My family had that we listened to. We just loved <laughs> that music for some reason. That so that's the connect. So when did you make the connection with? the the Beatles song when I'm 64 and the Drive Miss Daisy soundtrack. When did you when did you build that bridge? I think it was when I was listening to Sgt. Pepper's when those remastered versions came out eight or so years ago. That when they kind of first came out with these new CD versions of being remastered, and I was just listening to it, listening to it, listening to it, and I heard that little clarinet play in the background. And I was like, okay, that's, it's a clarinet. It's in the key of D flat or C. And then Driving Miss Daisy 
That's it's go for a drive. There's the five notes he plays over the words go for a drive. And then 1989, Driving Miss Daisy. The name of that song on the soundtrack is Driving. The name okay. of that, that theme is Driving. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is Jacob Tilton. This, what you just saw was absolutely high definition, unfiltered JT. Yeah. Like that whole thing. And I'm just thinking about like a little Jacob Tilton, like uh, uh, on like a road trip somewhere, like in South Louisiana, driving somewhere in a family truckster somewhere, like listen to, <laughs> I just love this soundtrack. Don't you? I just love it's the okay. soundtrack. And when I hear, okay. So when I hear that song, when I'm 64 and even that little, I, I, there was always this Paul McCartney, thing that he and it, his you know his dad was a, a like a, a played in a big band like he played a, he, you know mm-hmm. he played like um like in the 30s and the tw- 20s and 30s and stuff like that so he was older when paul was born and he played i think it was clarinet or something like that trombone or something but i think he was heavily influenced by his dad's kind of music yeah. which is like that like hey i like it like that i like this kind of music my kind of music yeah and it's it, it's, um, but when I think of that, I think of, when I hear that music, I think of like the 1920s flapper dresses and like men wearing, for some reason, like you've seen those old photos of like guys for like Ivy League football, like going to football games with big fur coats and like a Model T with like those, like ha- those, those hats on with like a, a horn that goes like, oh, <laughs> And like they're all for the team. Yeah. It's like I think of like those sweaters, like playing rugby or something like that. Yeah. Like I think of that kind of music. That's what it takes me to. If he if he wrote that when he was sixteen, and one of his first songs he wrote, okay, that's amazing. It's a genius. It's a wonderful oh, totally. song. But yeah, that yep. melody. That's such a that's that's not rock and roll. That's no. just like that's just that's. British dandy boy music. <laughs> totally. That is that is between World War One and World War Two yeah, stuff. Right. And you know, I remember here like, uh, we can buy a cottage by the we can buy a cottage by the Isle of Wight if it's not too dear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I remember I, I worked with this woman who's from England and I remember asking her, What does it mean when he says if it's not too dear? And she said, Oh, it means if it's not too expensive. Right. It's not right. too a dear. A dear price is a very oh, it's lofty a deer. price. In the Isle of Wight. <laughs> cottage. Oh, it's just so... And Yeah, that's the nerdiness that we are. So you and I were listening to that music. And you were listening to Louisiana. I was in Arkansas. And I was probably... Yeah, I was in sixth grade or something. And I was listening to people talk about the Isle of Wight. And about these things. Just think about all those... The, the mixture of cultures and experiences and all that stuff in together is just that. That is crazy wild and cool. Yeah. Yeah. This is a great song. God, it's a great song. It's a great song. Hmm. Do you like Paul more? Are you more of a Paul guy than a John guy? Yeah, I think so. Just because of the the little musical twists that he adds to things mm-hmm. are very like, ooh, they, can, they grab your interest. Totally. It's uh, yeah. you can kind of tell. Like I've wondered how their songwriting process went, but like, like if you listen to a Hard Day's Night, that sounds like John, and then mm-hmm. when I'm old, that sounds like. I mean, he's singing that, right? 
But that sounds like, all right, I've got this chord, like almost like they compromised and put their two styles together. A hundred percent. And like this, like John did this kind of stuff a lot. Like when he went like, um, uh, like, uh, can we play Beatles music like this? Can I think if this? you do a little bit, I think you can. Like he goes like, <laughs> let's sing. He's a real nowhere man sitting in his nowhere land. And then, but, but it's so John to go, making all his nowhere plans yeah. <laughs> for nobody. I remember the first time I ever did that. I remember the first time I ever played that, that F sharp minor to that A minor. I just was like, oh, that's the Beatles. Yeah. Like, because most people would go, making all his A major nowhere plans for nobody. But the Beatles go, Making all his nowhere plans for nobody. Yeah. Just makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, so dramatic. Oh, it's so dramatic. But that's a very John thing, too, to like put those kind of like chords together. Yeah. Very dramatic. Yeah, it, it, it brings like a, there's a slight darkness or mis mystery to it. Yeah. To the whole song. It changes the whole song. Mm -hmm. It adds more tension. And so when it gets resolved, but that's Paul going up there. That's Paul going up and grabbing that. Yeah. No plans for nobody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, I've got it. Here's a sad question. Okay. It's going to bring it down. How many people like Paul McCartney because of this pandemic will we not see perform again? Mmm. <laughs> That's the time I have to edit that out, but that's, that's terribly sad. What I mean is, like, he, how old is he? That He's, he's oh, early 80s? When's he's the next time a or almost huge, 80? When's the next time a huge stadium of people will be allowed to get together? Oh, man. I heard the most conservative estimates were, like, from somebody was 2022. Yeah. So, will people, like, he'll be around, and he'll probably be able to do it, but... I've just worried about all right, who are we going to lose because they, they're too old to ride out this pandemic, and we we can't get huge groups of people together anymore. Wow. That is, you know, that's a <laughs> see, that's a Jacob Tilton. That's you went. That, that's so. <laughs> Jacob's gift. like, like, who are we never going to get to see again because of this? Like, I haven't even thought. About, I, You're welcome. The, but that's that's true. Like the days of these these old dudes going to these, or women going to these uh, big, you know, stadiums and arenas, yeah. and just like having those people. Like they're not going to be touring again by that point. I I think it's going to change live music. I mean, it's just changing. It is changing live music. Yeah. Well, now it's wrapping it up. Let's uh, let's get to this here. Was it a sunrise or a book you read? Maybe a show you watched on your TV set. Or tell me, what's giving you life? Ah, yes, yes. Mm. You know, I'll tell you what's uh, what's giving me life this week was kind of a surprise, but I um. I watched the movie Little Women again. I've seen it mm -hmm. once, several months ago. And I guess it came out at Christmas time, which seems like years ago now. But that movie, like what we were talking about earlier, about pain and ache and beauty all kind of being mixed together into one big, beautiful picture, that movie and that story 
man, just it's so it's so good and beautiful. And there's it's not hokey. It's not uh, sentimental. Mm-mm. It doesn't it doesn't end in a way that uh, satisfies every type of uh, simple longing. It's 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 a little bit more complicated than that. But man, it's a it's a wonderful story and wonderful acting and directing and everything. It's just really great. Ooh, that's yeah. Little Women is so good. It's one of those time. It's like timeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, what's giving me life? Um, there's several things that are giving me life, but one thing that is really giving me life is Friday Night Family Night. So we've my wife started. Uh, Laura, my wife, started making homemade pizza on Friday nights. Mm. And when you when I hear the word, when I hear someone say homemade pizza, I'm like, oh, that's that's bad. It's like, you know, generally pizza is better, in my experience, pizza is better when it is at a restaurant because they've got those ovens that are a thousand degrees and yeah. it's crispy or whatever. But she has mastered homemade pizza. And I I look forward forward to her pepperoni pizza and she's got like the brick sort of the stone thing whatever that is that she puts it on Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's the right amount of chewiness she doesn't put too much sauce i don't like a lot of sauce on my pizza it it just bums me out when there's so much sauce it's overwhelming when it's dripping sauce i like just just enough sauce and i like it to be kind of chewy and the pepperonis are kind of crispy and the cheese is like salty and just greasy just enough, but not too. And just the combination of both those things and the fact that she makes it the whole week. I'm thinking, I can't wait to get to this place. And and when I start smelling the, the pizza in the oven, you know, going back to our smell thing, I'm just reminded just like, it doesn't get any better than this. Mm-hmm. Like my, Most of my life, I'm just thinking like, it's all the big things that I want to get to or like, what am I going to be recognized or whatever my daydreams are mm-hmm. when I'm starting to realize Friday night, my wife making homemade pizza and, it, and my kids when they're home, like now that they're not, that they're all home and we're watching them, you know, Mandalorian or something and sitting up there and eating popcorn. Like I'm learning to like, that's, that's the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And just learning just I, I'm wanting just, I think quarantine helped me just appreciate it even more of just going, the little stuff like that, the little moments that God gives us, like that has given me so much life because it represents like love and it represents home and it represents just being loved, man. It just, that's the good stuff. Give me life. Yeah. So does she make her own dope? She does. Man, I've been doing homemade pizza for a long time and I just can't master the dough. So I might need to get that uh, recipe. It, it is it's legit. She's figured it out, man. And she's super meticulous and nerdy. So it, it's, it, it's, she's like measuring grams and, and sifting the flour. I and... think so. <laughs> I can, I can make, they make fun of me. I can make uh box macaroni and cheese and PBJs. That's the only two things that I'm able to create. <laughs> well, I guess that wraps it up for this episode. Uh, we should, uh, hopefully next time we might have a special guest. Uh, with us so we'll see how that how that comes about very excited about that yeah and uh, that may be in a couple of weeks thank you all for listening to meaningful miscellanea and i hope everybody has a good week richie hope you have a good week. yes 
Go smell something and remember. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yes. Something good. Something good. See y'all. <laughs>